Today, uh, we're reading all of John 11, and we're actually going to have three special readers today, um, Jessica, Catalina, and Elijah. Um, so you can follow along on the screen as Jessica reads John 11, verses 1 through 7. Thanks, Jessica. It was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same person who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters went, sent word to, to Jesus, Lord, the one who loves is sick. When he heard this, Judy, Jesus said, The sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may glorify through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jessica. So you heard Jessica read, and you heard her read about three characters, Mary and Martha, who are sisters, and their brother, Lazarus. And Lazarus, he was quite sick. And they all lived uh, two miles from Jerusalem only in a city called Bethany. And he was sick, deathly sick even. And Mary and Martha and Lazarus too, they all believed that Jesus had power to heal Lazarus even though he was at the time deathly sick. And because they had faith in Jesus' power to heal him, what did they do? Well, they found someone and they sent him to go and find Jesus. Because Jesus wasn't in the same town. At this time, he was actually on the east side of the Jordan River somewhere. We don't exactly know where. But at the end of the last chapter, he went over there because the people around Jerusalem and Bethany, where Mary and Martha lived, they tried to kill Jesus. So he left so that they couldn't kill him right now. So Mary and Martha, they believed that Jesus could heal Lazarus, and they sent someone to go and find him and say, Hey, Lazarus, Lazarus is sick. Now, Spoiler alert, and we're going to have a few of these this morning. Spoiler alert, Lazarus dies. He dies. When Jesus got word, what did he do? Well, you heard what Jessica read. She said, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And you've got to see that word, so. Because the word so is very similar to the word therefore. And they always mean something. Let me give you an example. If, if I were talking to you and we were having a conversation this morning and I told you, so I picked up my phone, went outside, and made the phone call. And I said, so I did that. Well, the question would be, okay, well, why did you do that? You said, so I did it. Why, why did you do it? That's what comes before the word so. And then I would answer, well, it was sunny and 75 degrees on Thursday. So I took my phone and went outside to make the call. So it begs the question, why did Jesus stay where he was for two more days? Because it says so. Was it because he had to wait for his donkey to get ready so he could travel? Was it because he had some loose ends to tie up in the ministry that he was doing over there on the east side of the Jordan? Was it because he was waiting for Peter to get back from his wife's mother's house? No. It says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, he stayed where he was. Let, them, let that sink in. He loved them, 
so he stayed where he was. In other words, he loved them, so he let Lazarus die. What? What? What, what do you even say to that? He loved them, so he let Lazarus die? Why would he do such a thing? Why would he wait for two days before going and healing Lazarus? And maybe why would he even, why would he even just not heal Lazarus from where he was anyways? He could do that. We heard it a couple weeks ago. At the end of John chapter 4, there was an official person in the government who came to Jesus from 17 miles away and said, Hey, Jesus, my son is sick. Come and heal him. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, Go. Your son will live. He didn't even need to go. He could have just said to the person Mary and Martha sent, Go. Lazarus will live. But he didn't. And the Bible says the reason Jesus let Lazarus die was because he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And love means doing what you know is best or what you believe is best in our case because we don't always know. We just do what we believe is best. But Jesus knew what was best. Love means doing what you know is best for another person no matter what. And this blows my mind, but Jesus knew that letting Lazarus die was best for Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And we get to see how. Because another spoiler alert, Lazarus dies and Jesus raises him from the dead. You'll hear about that later. So just think for a minute. Can you imagine being Lazarus and living the rest of your life? And I, I, don't even, I can't even speak about what happened while he was dead for four days. I don't know. So don't even ask me. I, I can't give you an answer. But imagine being dead and then having Jesus raise you from the dead. How would you live the rest, the rest of your life? Can you imagine being dead for four days? Not just like a near-death experience or something, but being dead for four days and coming back to life? Or imagine being Mary or Martha. You buried your brother. And then four days after you buried him, a man named Jesus raises, his, raises him from the dead. What kind, of, what kind of faith in the goodness of Jesus and the power of Jesus would you have for the rest of your life? Like two weeks later when you were going through something or two years later when something horrible happened and you wondered, man, I, I wonder if Jesus could take care of this. I wonder if he loves me. And then you remember, oh, he raised my brother from the dead. Jesus let Lazarus die so that he could raise him from the dead because he knew that's what was best for Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And we get to see that. But in our lives, I propose that it's a lot more difficult because we don't always get to see we don't always get to see Jesus metaphorically raising Lazarus from the dead. We know that bad things happen and sad things happen. And our brother, so to speak, has been in the grave for four days. But we don't always see Jesus roll into town and raise him up. We don't always get to see that. We, we might never see that. I mean, we had, we had a memorial service here yesterday. Jesus isn't raising her from the dead here before our eyes. But here's the thing. Even though we can't see Jesus come back and raise Lazarus from the dead, 
and resurrect all the problems in our life and make them better, even though we don't always see the visible, obvious results, the principle is still true. Everything that Jesus lets happen in your life and in the world, everything that he lets happen, he lets happen because he loves you. And the passage is sometimes used in a trite way, but it's true nonetheless. In Romans chapter 8, it says God works everything for the good of those who love him. And it means everything. We don't always get to see the results. But what Jesus did for Mary and Martha, he loved them, so he let Lazarus die, and then he raised him from the dead. That's always the case in our lives, too. It's much more difficult to see. But just like Mary and Martha could look back at the rest of their lives, at Jesus loving them in this very difficult way, and seeing the proof of his love, so we can look at everything in our lives, even when we can't possibly see the answer to why would Jesus let that happen? How could he be loving me and, and let this happen? It's still true. He lets everything happen because he loves you. Our next special reader this morning is going to be Catalina. Um, so you can come up and we're going to hear Catalina read for us John 11, verses 8 through 16. Um, and in this section, we're going to see how Jesus faces death. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Thanks a bunch, Catalina. Did you hear the disciples do a double take there at the beginning? Jesus said, Hey, we're going to go back to Judea. And they said, Jesus, what? Jesus, don't you remember? Like, a couple weeks ago, they tried to throw stones at you and kill you. And now you want to go back there? Why in the world, Jesus? We can't do that. You'll die. And Jesus, in essence, said, yeah, we must go to Judea because I have work to do there. A commentator paraphrased what Jesus said. He said it this way. Um, it's like Jesus is saying, the time allotted to me to accomplish my earthly ministry is definitely fixed. It's like Jesus was saying, it cannot be lengthened by any precautionary measure which we take and it also cannot be shortened by any plot which my enemies would like to execute. My time here has been definitely fixed in the eternal decree. So how did Jesus face death? Because his disciples knew what was going to happen to him, or at least what could happen to him. How did he face it? He just walked straight into it. They said, there's guys there who want to kill you. And he said, well, we have to go. This is what I have to do. He knew that he had authority over death. And he demonstrated it actually here because he knew that Lazarus is dead, even though no one had already told him that. No one else knew where he was, but he knew 
that Lazarus was dead. He said, Lazarus is dead. And so he just walked straight into death. And he also walked straight into death, as he always does, never thinking about himself, but always thinking about the people that he came to save. That's how he did it, because he said this. He said to the disciples, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there when he died. Why? So that you may believe. Because he knew that his disciples and everyone else, they had seen him heal a lot of people. They had seen him do a lot of miracles, but they still had questions about who he was. But Jesus knew that them, they could look back on him raising someone from the dead and that would cause them to, them to believe. This is summing up the, the point of the whole book of John. The end of the book says, hey, Jesus did a lot of stuff. I wrote these down so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior, and that you may have eternal life in his name. And Jesus is saying that right here. He's saying, I let Lazarus die so that you would believe. That's how Jesus faced death, walking straight into it and always thinking about the people that he came to save. His disciples, everyone else, and you and me. And don't miss that last little bit. Because how Jesus faced death, it gave Thomas the confidence to face death in the same sort of way. And if you're wondering right now, wait a minute. Yes, that is the same Thomas that is sometimes known as Doubting Thomas. The one who right after Jesus rose from the dead had some questions about if Jesus really rose from the dead. It's the same guy. The same guy who said to all the rest of the disciples, well, Jesus, he, he's willing to die. So if Jesus is willing to die, I'm willing to die because I just want to be with Jesus. So let's go, let's go with him. We can all die. That's fine. We'll be with Jesus. And that sort of confidence is the same confidence that you can have as a Christian, whenever you face any difficulty in this world that comes to you from being a Christian. Now, in our country right now, and it hasn't, well, it's been this way for a long time, we don't really face the risk of death for our Christian belief. You might be ridiculed or mocked or you might lose a friend because of you believe what the Bible says or you might be persecuted even. Maybe, maybe not. It might be difficult to live. Well, it is difficult to live according to the Bible. But whatever difficulty you face because you're a Christian, face it with the same attitude that Thomas did. The same confidence. You can say, okay, I'm with Jesus. So here we go. This section that we're going to look at right now is by far the longest of this morning. And we're actually going to read it kind of responsibly. Um, women taking some parts, men taking some parts. Uh, it'll be all up on the screen, and I'll read some parts by myself as well. Um, so follow along. And even those of you at home, feel free to read along out loud um, whatever part is designated for you to say. So here we go. L is for leader. That's me. On his arrival, on his arrival to Bethany, where Mary and Martha were, Jesus found that Lazarus, had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha. Jesus said to her, Yes, Lord. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, it appears that whenever Jesus got into town, Mary heard that he was there, but or Martha heard that he was there, but Mary had not heard yet, and that's why she didn't go see him right away. Because here, she gets up very quickly when she hears Jesus wants to see her. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. I, I picture someone just crying and crying and not being able to take it anymore. At least this is what they thought. And she just had to run to the tomb to be near where her brother was. When Mary reached the place, except she wasn't going to the tomb, she was going to Jesus. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? And Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe, there he is thinking about everyone else again, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen, and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is God's word, and thank you all for reading. Mary and Martha, maybe you noticed, they both said the exact same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, we don't know what their emotions were and what their attitude was when they were saying it. The Bible doesn't tell us. But whatever their emotion and attitude was, whether it was anger or sadness or frustration or confusion, they had a right to feel any of those things. 
because they thought, they knew, they believed that Jesus could have raised him from the dead and that if he had been there, it wouldn't have happened. They had three years to look back on of Jesus healing people and doing miracles. And, and Lazarus, he was also so close to Jesus. And we know this because when they sent someone to go and tell him, hey, Lazarus is sick, they didn't say, hey, tell him that Lazarus is sick. They didn't say, hey, tell him Mary and Martha's brother is sick. They didn't say, hey, tell Jesus that his friend is sick. No, at the beginning of the chapter, the person said, Lord, the one you love is sick. That's how they identified Lazarus. Now, you already heard it, so it's not really a spoiler alert anymore. But spoiler alert, Jesus raises him from the dead. But that hadn't happened yet. And so if you were Jesus and you heard Mary and Martha say these things to you, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And you see all these people weeping and mourning around a tomb that had been full now for four days. If you were Jesus, put yourself in his sandals, what would you have done? I know what I would have done. I would have said, guess what, everybody? I'm about to raise him from the dead. So turn those frowns upside down. We're going to have a party. I would have been smiling ear to ear and I would have said, stop crying. It's okay. I'm going to raise him from the dead. It's all going to be fine. Because that's what happened like 10 minutes later. That's what I would have done. But Jesus? Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Jesus wept. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. And that, that deeply moved in spirit and troubled, you could also translate it, Jesus was ferociously angry. He was so worked up, he couldn't hold it in. He was ferociously angry at the fact that death happened. A commentator said, the scriptures don't often give us this emotion of Jesus, but the commentator said, Jesus cared. His sisters were grieving. Even the hope of the resurrection, as Martha had expressed it, did not prevent crying. And we're kind of just skipping over that. That's a whole other thing for a whole other day. When Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life, and Martha said, yeah, it's an amazing profession of faith. Yeah, I believe you. And my brother, I know he's dead now, but he's going to rise again at the last day because you're his savior and you took away his sins. Amazing. But even that, the commentator said, it did not prevent crying. God had not created us to die as Lazarus had. If there was anyone who, quote, shouldn't have been sad, it should have been Jesus. Because he knew he was going to raise him from the dead 10 minutes later. The reason for the mourning seemingly was going to be gone. But Jesus himself grieved and mourned deeply for someone who is going to become undead in a couple minutes. And we had a memorial here yesterday. And for Christians especially, it's, it's I don't know if tempt is the right word, but it's tempting to think, Oh, you know, I, I should get over this. They're in heaven. I can be happy about that. I don't need to be sad. Like, sure, they're gone, but, but they're in a better place. They're living with Jesus. They're in eternal life. I should just be happy. But Jesus didn't even do that. Grieve. Grieve in times of sadness. Don't, 
Don't just try to get past it. That doesn't end well. Grieve deeply. Jesus did. But as you grieve, grieve with the knowledge that here and ultimately death came up and gave its best to Jesus. It attacked Jesus. And then it walked away in defeat with its tail between its legs. Because that's how Jesus deals with death. Our uh, last special reader for this morning will be Elijah Cologne. He will take us through part four, how people deal with Jesus. He's going to read the end of John 11 from verses 45 through 57. You can follow along with him. Go ahead. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here's, the man, here's this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And when the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest the year, that year he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, they went up from the country to Jerusalem to their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus, and as they stood in the temple courts, they asked one another, What do you think? Is he, isn't he coming to the festival at all? But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders to, that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. Thanks a bunch, Elijah. That is God's word. And maybe you noticed, there's that word again. The very first word that Elijah read. Therefore. Therefore, it says, many of the Jews believed in him, and therefore, some people went and kind of tattletailed to the Pharisees. Therefore. Well, what comes before the therefore this time? And the answer is, everything that Jesus had done, especially raising Lazarus from the dead. The fact that he raised them from the dead, this got them all riled up, and people went and told the Pharisees, and then the Pharisees got together with other powerful people called the Sanhedrin, who all happened to hate Jesus, and they had a big meeting of the minds. And the result of this meeting, they got together because Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and the end result, so from that day on, they plotted to take his life. So, from that day on, from the day that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, they plotted to take his life. They had kind of always wanted to do this, 
They always had wanted to get rid of Jesus, and they thought it would be nice if Jesus weren't this thorn in their side. But this, from this day on, they plotted. They wrote down a list of what they had to do. They plotted it out, how they could connect all the dots and finally get rid of Jesus and take his life. They were really in it now that Jesus had done this. And Jesus knew that. He knew that he had done a lot of things and they hated him a lot, but he knew that this was going to be the final straw. He didn't dispute it in the beginning of the chapter when his disciples said, hey, if you go there, you're going to die. Why would you go there? He didn't say, I'm not going to die. He knew what was going to happen and he did it. He did it anyways. Jesus knew that the only way to interrupt Lazarus' funeral was to cause his own. He knew that the only way to get Lazarus out of the grave was to bury himself. And he did it. And now, in the middle of that, we got to see the two ways that the Pharisees' thinking was completely off, completely wrong. And I'm going to preface this this way by saying we have to ride the line here between being triumphant and confident in Jesus and being sinfully arrogant and mocking them. Because part of my inclination when I read what they say is just to laugh at them and say, how could you? How could you be so silly? But we can't be sinful about it. But we can kind of be on the line and be confident and triumphant in just how great Jesus is. So, Two ways the Pharisees were completely off. They said, if we let him go on like this, the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. They completely missed the point. They completely missed who Jesus was. All the Pharisees and Sanhedrin were focused on was themselves and their station in life, their, their comfortable positions as the kind of religious and political leaders of Israel. That's all they were worried about. They loved life. They had all the power and the Romans kind of let them alone. And they were nervous that if Jesus kept on going like this and more people believed in him, then he would become so powerful that it would draw the Romans' eyes to Israel. And they would say, ooh, those Pharisees, those, those Sanhedrin people, they're not doing a good enough job. We're worried Jesus might come and take over the world, so we got to put different people in charge. That's what they were scared about. They didn't want that to happen. It's really the same thing if you think ahead to Jesus' trial, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, he knew Jesus was innocent and didn't deserve to die. But the reason he let Jesus be killed was to save his own skin. He was scared of the exact same thing that the Pharisees were. He was worried that the Romans would put a new person in charge because obviously Pontius Pilate couldn't keep those Jewish people from rioting in Jerusalem. So he gave in to them. The Pharisees were just concerned about themselves, but that makes sense because their, their place in life, their station, was what was in front of them. And as humans, we look at what's in front of us. That's the same issue for us too. It's really easy for you and me to get caught up in what is right in front of us, in the present circumstances, in the news cycle that if you watch, it changes like six times a day. And it's really easy to get caught up in this happening and then this and then that and then that and wonder about the implications for the present and get caught up in what ifs about the future. It's really easy to get caught up and that's the exact same thing that the Pharisees were doing. They completely missed that Jesus was above all of that. They were just concerned about themselves and the Romans and their position of power. 
They were completely off. That's way number one. Way number two, same thing. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And that's the part. When I read that, I want to let out a righteous laugh. I just want to laugh at them in a righteous way. Because it's crazy. If we let him go on like this, they thought that they had power to either let Jesus go on like this or stop him. And that is laughable. Because no one has the power. Jesus is going to do whatever he wants. Nothing can stand in his way. That, that would be like me um, playing one-on-one -on -one against any, any NBA basketball player. Like the worst player in the NBA. And if I thought, oh yeah, I'm going to take him because I played varsity basketball and I sat the bench for one year in college and we almost won the championship. But if that NBA player, even the worst one, if, he, if I scored one point, it was because he let me. If I thought I had any power over him, the proper response that all of you should give me would be, oh, pastor, bless his heart. And I think, I'm not a native, but I think I'm using that phrase correctly. Thank you for the affirmation. Bless those Pharisees' hearts. They, they thought they had power over Jesus. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. What happened? We're about a month from his death. And they plotted. And to them, they successfully carried out their plan. They were right. They couldn't let him go on like this. They didn't. They thought, if we keep letting Jesus raise people from the dead, everyone's going to believe in him. And our system of life is going to be broken. Well, they stopped him. Because Jesus stopped raising people from the dead. They killed him. And then he rose from the dead himself. What a power move by Jesus. Oh, you want to stop me from raising other people from the dead? Okay, you can kill me and you can think that you killed me. But really, I let you kill me. And I won't raise anyone else anymore. I'll raise myself. <laughs> you can laugh. You can laugh at the Pharisees. And when you see anyone in your life or out in the world, or you think of the devil who is always thinking that he has power over you and over Jesus, you can righteously laugh at them. Because Jesus takes all the plans of the people who try to deal with him by getting rid of him, he takes all their plans and he foils them. Sure, he died. And then he came back to life. That's your Jesus. The Jesus of John 11 is your Jesus. The one who loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus and so he did the unthinkable. He let Lazarus die. The one who said, oh, people want to kill me? Okay, let's go straight towards them. The one who said, I don't just raise people from the dead. I am the resurrection and the life. I give you life not just here but for forever. The one who told a dead man, come out of the grave. And the dead man listened. This Jesus is your Jesus. The one who looked at people trying to deal with him by killing him and said, okay, you can kill me. But I'm just going to come back to life and prove that everything I've ever said is true. That's your Jesus.
believe in him. Amen.